At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. If you knew you would be out of work in five years, you know, not just lose your job, you're just out of work because there's no jobs, what would you do today? And if you knew that your savings were wiped out, I mean, it became just totally, you know, termite dust in the savings account, what would you do today if five years from now the dollar was worthless? And what would you do if you knew that your retirement plan was decimated. It was bankrupt because it couldn't sustain the, eight, the advertised 8% annual growth per year. In five years, you cannot retire. What would you do today? And that's what this program is about, but not so much about those horrible subjects, but what might cause all of this. Some of you know, listening know that in 2002, I published a book, Rich Dad's Prophecy, and I said in 2016, the biggest crash would be coming. And on schedule, January 2016, the market tanked. And right now, you know, our Fed is doing its best to prop it up, keep it up, keep the illusion going. So today, we're going to be going behind the scenes to figure out what's going on. And so it's very important to show for you because you should start preparing today if, and it's a big if, what I think is going to happen happens. You know, I don't know if you've ever been out of work, but it's not a good feeling. You know, my poor dad, PhD, lost his job when he was 50 years old. He never got a job back because people don't need PhDs. I hate to tell people that. You don't need them, especially in education. So ladies and gentlemen, it's a very important show. Please stay tuned. So this is what this program is about, and it's about the U.S. dollar, probably one of the most corrupt financial instruments in the history of the world, depending how you look at it. And all of you out there who are saving money and investing for the long term in the stock market and you think you have job security for life or your retirement is safe, this is your program. Any comments, Kim? Well, you know, we've talked a lot about there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and today's show is nothing is, – is, was so eye-opening to me because it's a subject I have very, very little knowledge of. And I know, Robert, you've studied this quite a bit. But um, these are things things that go on behind the scenes. They affect you and me. And the like more... It, like it or not, it's yeah, going to they do. And, and the more we know, the more we can prepare. Or, as most people do, they put their head in the sand. They go, oh, the government will fix it. Well, I have job <laughs> sports <security>. fans. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't think the government's going to fix it. Or this. my kids are going to have good education. I want to vomit every time I hear that. Yeah, one. so listen to this show because it really does affect you and me, and you can do something about it to prepare for it. So let me introduce our guest today. One is Matt Kirkhoff. He writes for Dow Theory, and it's a, it's a letter I subscribe to. And Matt is a research director, one of the smartest guys I know. He, he's, he's one of those A students, which I wasn't. And uh, he has a very insightful view of what's going on inside the economy, things that we cannot see, or, or should I say the markets. And Jerry Robinson is an investor, economist, 
and he writes for FTM, Follow the Money Daily, and he is one, he has written a book, Preparing for the Collapse of the Petrodollar System. So today we're going to be talking about the possible demise of not only the U.S. dollar, but the whole corrupt monetary system of the world. And for those, some of you know this already, in 1971, Richard Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard. And those was old enough to remember that there was an oil shock in 1973 where we had to stand in line just to get oil. And everybody said, oh, oil is over. So with that, that's why the petrodollar, the petrodollar system is so important because in 1975, the U.S. cut a deal with Saudi Arabia. Because the dollar was now worthless. After Nixon took it off the gold standard, the dollar was now worthless. So Nixon cut a deal with Saudi Arabia and Kissinger, and they said, from now on, the whole world must trade in oil in dollars. The petrodollar system went from gold to oil. Our noble president, Barack Obama, again, I'm not Republican or Democrat, was in Saudi Arabia on his knees kissing a little butt out there. The reason for that is if, if Saudi Arabia doesn't like what we do, they sink the U.S. dollar. The, that's how much power they have. The U.S. is an ally with Saudi Arabia. And now this whole thing is coming apart. We've been fighting in Mosul since 1914. We're still fighting there. It's called Iraq today. And today, ladies and gentlemen, it's all coming apart with the price of the gold, of oil so far down in the world economy in turmoil. So with that, welcome to the program first, Jerry Robinson. Where did you come up with this idea of, of writing your book, Preparing for the Collapse of the Petrodollar System? Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Robert. And, you know, the, the book, the book is actually, this is an excerpt of the book. The book is actually called Bankruptcy of Our Nation. And well, it came nice. out in 2009 originally. It's so funny, the, the publisher at the time, back in 2009, said that we couldn't call it bankruptcy of America because it would be too controversial and that my theory was just too crazy. And, of course, now, you know, you, you see these bankruptcy of America books everywhere. You know, now everybody's talking about it. The petrodollar system is the problem, and the reason why it's the problem is because what you've been stressing for so long, you keep pointing and waking people up to the fact that the dollar, which was instituted in 1944 through the Bretton Woods arrangement, as the primary global currency, it became the global currency at that point. Everybody would use it because it was considered as good as gold. At any point during the uh, gold standard, foreign countries could exchange their dollars on the international gold standard for gold. And so there was some sort of insurance there where if, the, if Washington went crazy, if they went off the rails, if they started spending too much money, if they, if they became out of control, that governments had a plan B. They could take their money out of the dollar, move it back to gold on the international standard. You, as you well point out, that ended in 1971. And what the main problem with that, Robert, was the fact that every currency depends upon demand. And whenever the convertibility from dollars to gold ended in August of 1971, suddenly the globe started looking for an alternative. Uh, Nixon was a very bright guy, regardless of his antics, and Kissinger was a brilliant Secretary of State. And together, they came up with a way to shore up the demand, the, the lack of demand, that now existed for the U.S. dollar. And it's called the petrodollar system. Um, 
But in order, and I, and I love how you break things down and make things easy to understand. That's what we've done with this article. The, the main thing to think about here is people have to understand why this is a big deal. Once they understand why it's a big deal, we don't have to explain much more. So, they'll, why, they'll, so why is it a big deal? Okay, so let's, let's explain what inflation is. Let's use a real quick illustration. Let's imagine that me, me, and, uh, me and Robert are on a boat. We're going out, uh, and we get shipwrecked, and we end up on an island. Let's say that both of us have five golf balls in our pocket, and we end up on the island, you and me, Robert. We don't know what to do, and so you decide to go build a house. I decide to go find food. You, find, you start building a house. I can't find food, and suddenly you say, well, I'll charge you to live in this house, and I say, well, what are we going to use? All we have is golf balls. So I take out, I say, how many do you want to, for the house? And you say, well, you got five. I'll take one, right? You couldn't ask me for six. If you ask me for six, you know, you might be a little, you know, a little loony. I mean, I only have five, and you know that. So if you ask me for one, we can do that. If you ask me for five, we can do that. But imagine as soon as I – let's say you ask me for one. I pull out the golf ball. I hand it to you. This is inflation. Out of the sky, we hear a loud noise, and it's a helicopter. And then suddenly we hear this, this huge crate falling, and it lands, thud, right in the sand right in front of us. On the side of the box, it says one million count golf balls. Suddenly, the price that you were going to charge me now can be different. Can you charge me six golf balls now? Oh, yeah. You can charge me as many as you want to up to that new amount because now we have more of what we call money in the economy. Okay, okay? So, so, Jerry, let, let me bring Matt in here because this sure. is why we have Matt in here. And... The reason, Matt, is he is an expert on the stock market. And it is my position that the reason that stock prices are so high is that people are printing golf balls to keep that market up. And it is an illusion. That's why, personally, Matt knows this. I am out of that market. And I don't like anything that become manipulated. And it started to be manipulated back in '87 when the stock market crashed and a man named Greenspan, the Fed chairman, came in with the Greenspan put and says, I will always keep that market propped up. Matt, what do you, what do you have to say? So this, this is a fascinating conversation, and, uh, and I'm excited to be here because I'm actually learning a lot as well. Um, and there's some interesting parallels to, to um, uh, what we're seeing and what the Federal Reserve has, has done over time. And one of the, the interesting uh, things that I, I tend to always point out um, it, it's a, the, the golf ball analogy is, is wonderful. Um, I, I think everyone can understand that. Um, but it's really interesting because that's typically the type of analogy that's used uh, to explain the, the creation of money process, um, which is typically simplified down to the Federal Reserve has the ability to print money. Uh, and they can print as much of it as they want whenever they want. Um, and I think that's an interesting topic because that's not really how, how our economy works. And so um, money is created through the process of credit extension. And so as a, as a byproduct of that, you have to have willing participants on both sides of that equation. Um, and so while, while helicopter money is a fascinating idea, and I, I'm very curious to hear uh, more about this, um, it, it, there's an interesting sort of uh, lack of parallel between that and the way that our, our credit system works today. Wait, wait, Matt, uh, that Matt, doesn't necessarily- Matt, Matt. Mm-hmm? Are you saying that the stock market inflation is not related to quantitative easing? The stock market is is a function of a lot of variables. I understand so, that. So, yes, quantitative easing is, is an interesting process, and it has helped the stock market, but it's helped it in an indirect way. 
Um, the, the money that was created through quantitative easing, it actually, these are, this is not the type of money that flows out into the economy that can be spent well, that's, that's and my can point. actually cause inflation. That's my point. Quantitative easing never worked, was never meant to work. And Jerry knows this, is that our friend Richard Duncan, as well as Edward Griffin, what they're saying is that quantitative easing was only to bail out the rich. It never was meant to come into the economy. And that's why the stock market stays high, because the guy, our CEOs and all that who are in the stock buyback programs and investment programs, they're in that stock market keeping it up for, and then every, every so often when it crashes, money comes back in. So that's why I want to get the correlation between inflation in the investment products as well as inv- inflation in golf balls. So what, maybe I can do, explain do it a little bit. Do you disagree with that or not? I mean, that's, I don't really care, but I have yeah. my opinion on it. Well, so money is created in, in an economy through the process of uh, credit creation. Whenever a, whenever a loan is made, essentially, uh, that money w- is created out of thin air. And that's regardless of whether it happens at, at the at, at the commercial bank level or you know the margin account. Matt, uh, Matt, you're in, not answering my question. Is the stock market propped <laughs> up by printing money? My opinion, not completely. There's a number of factors, um, Wait, but Matt, it is not Matt, the only reason. Matt, earnings are going down and prices are going up of those bogus stocks. Well, so so the the value of any asset is is a relative function. There's I understand no such thing as an absolute value of everything. So when you look at the stock market values, you have to look at it in comparison to what's available. And so, for example, right now, bond yields are so low. You know, we go back to, to this, this Tina coin that was coined during the, the, the financial crisis, which is there is no alternative. Uh, for most people, um, it's typically their investment decisions are either real estate, stocks, or bonds. Um, as, as you all well know, a lot of people have, have sort of issues with um, – with having a lot of investments in, in real estate, they just don't know how to do that very well. So typically they focus on stocks and bonds. And in a case where we're at um, record low bond yields, um, the cost of money is, is probably one of the most critical inputs to asset values across the board. And so when the cost of money is this low, you're going to see a stock market stay elevated. Well, because, because the Matt, Matt because they're, they're forcing cash into something that might give some kind of return. I mean, that's really simple. You have all this money. These guys, these rich guys get all of this money, and they have to put it somewhere. So they put it into the stock market, or they're now building apartment houses and all this. That's what you're saying. The theme of this program is the U.S. dollar and how it shifted in 1971 off the gold standard. It wobbled for a while. Then Nixon and Kissinger cut a deal with Saudi Arabia and became petrodollars. The reason I know so much about this is I went to school have a degree in ocean transportation, oil. I drove, drove tankers for Standard Oil. And Standard Oil was founded by one of the great robber barons of all time, John D. Rockefeller. So I had an insight into this. And as a former Marine, as a Marine pilot, I went into Vietnam, and I knew immediately why we were there. It was oil. And today we're drilling for oil in Vietnam, and the U.S. is doing its best not to get that oil into China. And what happened in 1975 is that Kissinger and Nixon cut a deal with Saudi Arabia saying that from now on, all oil had to be bought and sold with U.S. dollars. It was one of the biggest, biggest sweetheart deals of all time. And today, the reason it's so important is that, you know, just recently, President Obama was in Saudi Arabia, you know, making nicey-nice to Saudi to the king there. 
At the same time, a few years, a few day, a uh, few months earlier, he snubbed Netanyahu of Israel. And most people don't know what's going on. And the reason I like this book, Jerry Robinson, or this, uh, his article, Preparing for the Collapse of the Petrodollar System, it is something I have studied from the oil side because Kim and I own a lot of oil. And on, on the other side of the phone, on the line, we have Matt Kirkhoff. It's a research director at Dow Theory Letters, and he comes at it from a more academic point of view. And he does research into the stock market. So all I'm saying here is this, is that if as the price of oil comes down and as tensions, you know, accelerate in the Middle East, what's going to happen to the dollar? That's our question. Because if the dollar collapses, then what happens? Will, will prices go up, go down? Will jobs be wiped out? Not that it'll happen, but I just want you to think that way. Kim, what do you want to say? Yeah. So, so Jerry, let me because this is where this is what where the lights went on for me. So Robert was saying um, in in seventy three, this deal was struck with Saudi Arabia that Saudi Arabia all was going to purchase oil using U.S. dollars in exchange. For them doing that, the United States were going to give weapons and protection of their oil fields from neighboring nations, including Israel, and the 75 all OPEC nations agreed to exchange in U.S. dollars for weapons and military protection. That that blew me away. It's, so, it's, a, it's a very, very nasty deal, and we have the documents uh, on our website, followthemoney.com. People can, they can see them, they can download them. And you guys can download them from our site and share them. But, I mean, they're all there. The evidence is there. And what does that mean? Well, in essence, as you said, in 1973, the dollars for gold uh, standard was obviously gone. And it was very unsustainable. Now, the reason why they brokered this deal, and I don't think that Kissinger and Nixon knew how good of a deal this was going to be. I think this was kind of a last-ditch effort. And it turned out to be unbelievable. It could have been mastermind, and maybe it was. But the main thing is, is that it worked. And so what happened, beginning starting in 1973, is that every barrel of oil that came out of the ground of Saudi Arabia, no matter who wanted to buy it, whether it was Japan, who was extremely resource poor, or Brazil, or Canada, or anybody on the planet, if they wanted to do business with Saudi Arabia, now watch this, if they wanted to do business with Saudi Arabia and buy oil from them, they had to take their Japanese yen or their Brazilian real, and they had to convert it to U.S. dollars. Now think about that for a minute. What happens when you convert one currency to another? You're creating an artificial demand for that currency that did not exist prior to that. And so what they did was they created an artificial demand. Now suddenly, uh, Japan, while they weren't necessarily going to hold dollars anymore because of the gold issue, now they had a reason to, because now they have to buy oil. So it kept all of those dollars that were printed, it, it gave a permission slip to keep them out in the global economy. This is what, and, and this boils down to where it meets the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what the average person doesn't understand, is that whenever the, whenever the Fed prints money, like QE1, QE2, QE3, the reason that they can get away with that is because we have a permission slip to print money because there is an artificial demand that exists globally for the dollar. How come? Because of the petrodollar system. So if, if Saudi Arabia becomes upset with us, right, or if these other oil-producing nations in OPEC become upset with us, what they can do is say, we're going to accept dollars and yuan, or dollars and euros, dollars 
and gold. And what that does is it puts the Federal Reserve in a panic because suddenly now there is choice. Suddenly now the, the Fed does not have this unbelievable, never-ending permission slip to print money because remember what inflation is. Inflation is when the money is printed. It happens when the golf balls fall out of the sky and land on the, on the ground. You know, that, in that illustration we gave in the last segment, when Robert and I were on the island, nothing became more valuable because that crate of golf balls fell in the sand. The only reason that it went up was because now there was more money, and that's the whole point. You cannot have a, a $1 billion house in a $1 million economy. So the more they print the more asset prices can rise. And that's why, if you guys have listened to a Rich Dad, you know, and Rich Dad poured out the book, which came out in 1997, I said, your house is not an asset, savers are losers, and the rich don't work for money. It's all about oil. And to keep this artificial market to make sure that everybody trades in oil in dollars. Now, why did they attack Saddam? And that's what Jerry said. I think you said in the year 2000. September 24th, 2000, Saddam emerges from a meeting with his advisors, and they decide to move from selling dollars in oil to dollars uh, to selling oil in euros. And just a few years later, he's hanging from a noose. Yep. North Korea doesn't take dollars. Uh, Venezuela is, does dollars, but they've been off and on. Iran is now accepting dollars, and now suddenly they're our buddies. And, people, uh, don't under, people don't understand that, that America is an empire. It doesn't have friends. It has subjects. Another thing to know is that was a guy named Gaddafi. Remember him? He oh, was trying to set up an exchange right. in, in Dinar. And he got taken out. He got taken out, too. And once again, our guests are Matt Kirkhoff. He's the research director of Dow Theory Letters. Fabulous report. I, I get it all the time. And Jerry Robinson, who is an economist, investor, and the host of FTM, Follow the Money Daily. So, Kim, what do you want to say? So, so what you're saying, Jerry, and what you're saying, Robert, is if these countries stop accepting U.S. dollars for oil and start trading in others, then then the demand for U.S. dollars goes down, which means you, the cost of your loaf of bread, of your clothes, of your home, of your fuel are going to skyrocket. Is if that what that you're happens. saying? You, if you, that happens. You nailed it, because all those dollars that were printed because of the petrodollar system artificially now have to find a home. And if you look at the dollar bill, it tells you who owns it, at the Federal Reserve. And yep. so it's going to come right back to the point of origin, which is here, and what are we going to do with all those dollars? So this is why the other day, whenever the, uh, the king of Saudi Arabia uh, conveyed through one of his foreign ministers that if, to the Congress, that if the Congress passes a bill that provides any kind of transparency on Saudi Arabia's role in 9-11, that they will dump $750 billion of U.S. debt securities. Translate that to say they are going to dump the dollar. And so that's why... Uh, <laughs> That came out last. That came out in March. Uh, there was an emergency meeting with the Fed between Biden and Obama. This has been written about extensively. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Robert, the next thing you see is Obama hopping on a plane, going over and kissing his ring, uh, kissing the king's ring. So something's going on right now. This is about the. This is about the most concerned I've been about the economy since. 2003. Yes, yeah, so, that's, so that's why we have Matt Kirkhoff on because he's the expert of the in in the stock market. My contention is is the stock market is an all time high even though valuations are of the stock of uh, the companies underlying it is going down, and I think that's inflation of the market. What do you want to say to that? 
Well, actually, I, I, I kind of have a, a question for, for Jerry to, to get started real quick. Um, but so my, my question is, when, when all these dollars come rushing back to the U.S., um, what are we providing in exchange for those dollars coming back in? Because they're obviously not just going to crumple up $100 bills and throw them across the border. No, what they'll do is they'll diversify their currency reserves. You know, all these countries have currency <clears throat> reserves, and they hold U.S. dollars because there's a need to hold U.S. dollars. But if there's no longer a dramatic need, like every barrel of oil they buy, then suddenly they don't have to hold as many U.S. dollars. And if they don't hold as many U.S. dollars, then where are those dollars that they're selling off going to go? They're going to come back to the point of origin. For those of you who may have missed parts of this show, go to richdadradio.com, listen to this program again. Because you listen to it two or three times, you might understand a little bit more than what, what you're picking up initially. Because what the question was, if you knew in five years your job was toast, it was gone. It's not that you got fired or anything. It's just you don't need they don't need you anymore. You're gone. Or what happens if your savings become termite droppings? Or the stock market goes volatile and then comes down. You know, what what if it's at an all time high today and it loses fifty percent, which it has? So the question is, what would you do today if and that's a big if you knew it was gonna happen in five years? And the story of this program is about oil. And I'll say it again, World War I, because I am, I am a Marine. I study military history. World War I started when Archduke Ferdinand was assassinated in 1914. On that day, the very same day, England cut a deal with the rest of the world that they got Mosul. Today it's called Iraq. Back then it was called Mesopotamia. Suddenly we had all of these sheiks and these people living in the desert. They were like Jed Clampett of the Beverly Hillbillies. This, you know, they fired around. Occidental Petroleum rolled in there. Standard Oil, you know, Rockefeller rolled in there. And suddenly these Arabs became very, very rich. The story of today's program is by from Jerry Robinson. Is that after 1971, the United States was spending too much money. We were consumers. So what happened is Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, just said, adios. The dollar went into questioning and was a brilliant play. Kissinger and Nixon cut a deal with Saudi Arabia, Jed Clampets of the world. And these guys became rich, and they cut the deal that said, we'll give you weapons and we'll protect you from Israel. All you have to do, all you have to do is price oil in dollars, U.S. dollars, and keep your reserves, your debt securities called bonds and things like that, inside U.S. system. So that gave us an unfair advantage. And as Jerry says, what happened was suddenly, again, oil was better than gold because everybody had to buy and sell dollars to buy oil. And one of the reasons Japan and China and Korea that they don't have that much oil, so they started selling low-priced goods to the United States so they could get dollars to buy oil. And the reason we've had this couple of programs on this subject is because President Obama was in Saudi Arabia, as Jerry says, kissing the ring. I say, say kissing something else, you know? And you go, why? When he snubbed Netanyahu of Israel. At the same time, we have ISIS. Same time Saddam Hussein gets taken out because he had the audacity in 2000 to shift off the dollar standard into euro. And Gaddafi got taken out because he, took, he stopped trading his oil, which is very good oil, 
into dinars because he wanted to screw the United States. So suddenly this whole thing is involatile. And what Jerry, Rob Jerry Robinson is saying is because this created this artificial demand. Everybody had to have dollars. The question is, what happens if the world stops trading in dollars? And recently we had the BRICS, you know, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They've tried to set up their own bank to stop deal dealing in the dollar. The IMF and the World Bank and all those guys are going crazy right now. So we're in this complete chaos right now. That's where we are at. And our program is what can you do and get educated. I'm not saying we're right. I'm saying we're wrong. We're not saying anything is going to happen, but something's going to change. Kim, any comments? Well, it's, it's the reason why we have our programs, and we're talking about petrodollars, and people go, well, what does that mean to me? How come that's important? What do I need to know about that? But what we're talking about is the more you know, these are factors to follow to figure out what is going to happen. And it might be inflation. It might be hyperinflation. The bottom line but, is, what are you going to do to prepare for whatever happens? And this is, my whole, this is my whole point, man. Make up, uh, wake up and smell the coffee. Yeah. Today, your savings are worth nothing. It's called negative interest rates. In other words, you put your money in the bank 10 years ago, you got 10%. You know, what happens in the future? You put your money in the bank, you have to pay 10%. You know, that's where we are today. And yet I still listen to these people say, oh, you should save money and invest for the long term in the stock market and, you know, get a safe, secure job. I'm going, hey, our dollar is corrupt. The U.S. dollar has had a good free ride for years now, since 1974 or five. So our guest today, I'm Matt Kirkhoff, Research Director of the Dow Theory Letters. Very, very detailed, very insightful into the markets. And Jerry Robinson is an economist, investor, and host of FTM Daily. His book is Bankruptcy of Our Nation, Your Financial Survival Guide. So, Jerry, what would you do? And everybody's going to do something different. You know, I'm not going to do what Matt does or what Jerry does and all this. We're taking action. But for those of you who are saving money, that might be the most stupid thing you can do right now. Jerry, what do you want to say? Well, I, I want to go back to what Kim said. I think she made a really good point when she said that this could happen or it couldn't happen. I don't think what we want to do here is, is say that this is definitely has to happen and it's going to be a Mad Max scenario. Well, the fact is is that if, if there is even a slight diversification from the current setup that we have now with dollar demand, let's just say that the Saudis move slightly. Maybe they just incorporate maybe 20% now you can use yuan, or maybe 30% of oil sales can be denominated in, the other, in, in some other currency. That still messes up the calculations of what the Federal Reserve can make available in the general economy, because they factor in not just national demand for the currency, but international demand. And so if international demand for the dollar goes down, which we believe it will, then that's going to put a crimp in the Fed's plans to keep printing to ad nauseum every time there's a problem. It's going, to ruin, that, it's going to ruin that Greenspan put that you talk about. It's they, going to can't, ruin it. they can't keep pr printing money exactly. to pay our bills. So, so what that means is if they can't keep printing money that the same way, if, if they lose that permission slip to print all that money, then suddenly they can't cope with these market downturns. So A... I am out of the stock market. I got out probably just a little bit before you did, Robert. I was out uh, at the very beginning of 2015. Maybe we got out at the same time, but I got out. It looked really strange. Uh, the S&P topped out at about 2134 earlier last May. Uh, since then, it's been grinding, trying to go higher, setting lower lows and lower highs. Classic bear, bear market right now, it looks like. So, so what are you? Pierce, 
So what are you so, doing? What are you wait, doing? Wait, 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 so that's I would be I would be avoiding a buy and hold situation on the stock market. I would be very selective if I was in which, stocks. Would you be counting on your four hundred one k to be here five years from now? I would probably be counting on it to be here, but I would be counting on it to have to have a higher distribution tax. I fear that IRAs, traditional IRAs, and Roth IRAs are the next area to get hit. They're huge. People always say, oh, they're going to confiscate your gold. You've got to worry about that. No, they're not. They're going, to come, they're, they're going to come after your 401k and IRA, and they're going to raise the distribution tax by 10% or maybe 20%. So with that, that keep- so that's why we have Matt Kirkhoff, because he is the expert on the inside, ins and outs of the market. Matt, what do you have to say about this discussion? Well, the, the approach we take, and, and what I think is kind of a safe way for, for a lot of people at home listening to, to look at this, is to, to try, and, try and look at sort of the big picture trends that are going on. So as Jerry pointed out um, perfectly, the, the, the stock market has, has established sort of a bearish trend to it. Um, it peaked a little while ago, and we've seen lower lows and lower highs. So that's something you need to be, be able to recognize and, and take action on. Um, we could say the same thing across uh, sort of all different asset classes or currencies. Um, when the dollar is in a particular trend, um, it's a good idea to understand, you know, if, if that currency continues to follow that trend, what's that going to mean for, for other assets and, and other investments that you're holding? So this is the point here is that what are we doing? You know, Matt, Matt speaks in uh, what I call business cool language, you know, and he calls, you know, suppressing the, the long, what do you call it? Suppressing the long bond. What that means to me as a real estate guy, it means money is cheap. You know, hallelujah, thank you, God. I love you madly because Kim and I remember when we had to borrow at 12%. So that's what I think you mean by you suppressing the long blonde or something like that? You nailed it. Yeah. Cheap money. Money is cheap. On top of that, the people that are saving money, Japan just one more time increase how much you have to pay to keep your money in the bank. And so today, in, that means you have to pay money to keep your money in the bank. So the biggest product, consumer product in Japan today are safes for your home. Why should you pay the bank to keep your money there? Just buy a safe and keep it at home. That's what's going on throughout the world. And and Jerry, you have a you have a system called Pace P A C E in terms of yeah, yeah, a, yeah, what yeah, action yeah. you're doing. What is that? Tremendous respect for Dow theory letters and for the Dow theory and for technical analysis. We're actually trend traders here. We are a trend re- research investment firm, and so what we do is we research trends in several areas. Precious, we call it Pace, precious metals. Agriculture, A, C stands for commodities, E stands for energy. We like all four of those areas in a, in a negative environment for the dollar. Those are areas we would look at. Obviously, if you can get physical assets in those areas, it's even better like you do. Often you have to be an accredited investor. If you're not an accredited investor, you can gain exposure through ETFs to these markets and simply trade the trends in them. And that's what we do. We've been very successful in the boom-bust commodity or boom-bust uh, cycles of commodities. We also love real estate. Cheap, affordable housing is one of our absolute positive favorite uh, asset classes. Uh, like you guys, we love it. Uh, we don't think that in the long term people are going to suddenly not need a place to live, uh, an affordable place to live. So we like affordable so, housing. So, so let, let, me, let me give you a stat that keeps me happy at night. Today in America, there's 40,000 no, 40, cheap affordable housing units being built, 40,000. The problem is the demand is for 2 million of them. So when I look at those stats, I go, well, I'm pretty safe. As long as there's jobs, if there's no jobs, they can't pay for that. 
That's so, right, Robert. So, People don't realize that we're turning into a renter nation. Yes. People can't afford their student them. loans anymore. They're right. in default. So they're just going to rent. So if you're going to be a real estate investor and be uh, providing affordable housing, I think for the next several decades, that would be where my money would be. In addition to playing trends in the market, uh, if you understand how trend trading works, we teach that at our website. We teach trend trading. We, we have uh, all kinds of stuff that we can provide to people who are looking for that. Right. But that's what we focus on, trend trading, real estate, hard assets. We think that's the place to be. And if you're going to be in stocks, just at least keep an eye on them. Don't and, just buy and hold. That's one of the most dangerous things you can do right now. And that's why we had Matt Kirkhoff on this on this program is because his insights as to what's going on behind the scenes, you know, where they make the sausage where they chop up the truth and package it as sausage. That's why you want the Dow Theory letters, was Richard Russell was a guy that always spoke what he, what he thought was the truth as best he could see it. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about we're right or anybody's wrong and all this. I'm just saying right now is in 1971, Nixon took us off the gold standard. In 1975, we shifted on to the petrodollar. And the dollar became more valuable than gold because it was now backed by oil. The problem is, just watch the news. President Obama was in Saudi Arabia kissing the ring. 60 Minutes just asked the question, what happened in that 9-11 report? So that's why listening to uh, Jerry Robinson and his book, The Bankruptcy, of our nation. Please read it. He's a great writer. It's very, very simple. Matt, fabulous because he uses charts to explain what's going on inside the market, things you do not see. So once again, thank Matt Kirkhoff and Jerry Robinson for their insights. And we're going to the first question now to Ask Robert. You can submit your question to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. Melissa, what's the first question? Our first question today comes from Craig in Calgary, Alberta. Favorite book, Unfair Advantage. His question is this, there is always some greedy reason for government policy. What are your thoughts on TPP? Are there any benefits for the average person, or am I right in thinking that we are about to get screwed again? Well, you know, there's always two sides. (laughs) There's always three sides to everything, as you know. TPP, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. And what is TPP? Oh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. You know, it's a trade agreement between friends and foe, not against the foe. I suspect it's against China and North Korea and those. I suspect. I could be wrong, but I don't trust my government. You know, they're all joining sides and, you know, fighting for deck chairs on the Titanic right now. The point to remember is this, which we talked about briefly, is in 1944 was a Bretton Woods agreement that made the U.S. dollar as good as gold. It also created the IMF and the World Bank. There's always three sides to a coin, heads, tails, and the edge. On the other side of the coin going against the IMF and the World Bank is BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Those guys don't like the deal they're getting, so they formed a BRICS bank. And they want to go against the IMF and the World Bank. And I think TPP is more about that. So Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are getting the short end of the stick, so they're going to form their own bank. But this goes back to the whole story that it all goes back to oil. You know, oil, I think, is a dying commodity. I think solar will take over and alternatives will take over. But for now, there's going to be hell to pay. So the question is, what is TPP? I think is another time to secure a deck chair on the Titanic before it goes down. Any comments, Kim? 
Well, I just, I just, you know, the, the thing that just jumped out at me, you're talking about government policy, and there's so much we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And I can say, again, that the eye-opener for me in this show was that in 1973, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia cut a deal saying that all Saudi oil would be would be bought, purchased in U.S. dollars, and in exchange, the U.S. was going to supply weapons and protection of Saudi oil fields from neighboring nations. And then all of OPEC agreed to do this. Yeah, because they're so, afraid of Israel because Israel will come in and take their oil. That's what they're afraid of. So Israel, you know, if you think the U.S. is a friend of Israel, I think you better think again. That's why Obama snubbing Netanyahu last year and, and just recently going over to Saudi Arabia to kiss the ring. I think that that's, action speaks louder than words. Think for yourself right now. Think for yourself. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Alexander in Germany. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, I'm going to start my education and entrepreneurship to start my own business abroad, but I have to borrow money to take this step. Is it worth doing? My intuition is telling me this is a good decision. Well, it's not the money you spend. The question is, do you use your education? And as you can tell, my art, you know, Matt Kirkhoff is a really good friend of mine. But he went to traditional business school, and what they teach them is ancient history about markets. They, they have no – most guys that go to business school, their feet aren't on the ground. They, they live someplace in the air. You notice Jared Robinson, when he talks about investing, he talks about things that come from the soil, you know, products and, you know, oil, stuff like this. So there's always different philosophies. The most important thing is will you use your education? That's the question. If you use it, it's worth it. And by the way, Rich Dad does have programs for people who want to be entrepreneurs, and we have a whole online programs for people who do not want to be employees working for a living, saving money, getting out of debt, and investing for the long term in the stock market. So Rich Dad also has programs. A lot of people have programs. Take your pick. But the most important thing is the reason most people don't use their education is because they teach you in school not to make mistakes. Do you know how stupid that is? Have any idea how stupid that is? How are you going to learn anything if you don't make mistakes? In school, the person that makes the most mistakes is stupid. In the real world, the person that makes most mistakes and learn from them is called successful. Comments, Kim. Well, Alexander says he's going to borrow money to take this step. Um, my question is, what are you borrowing the money for? That's all. What are you borrowing the money for? You're saying if it's if it's traditional school, pro- waste of time if you want to learn entrepreneurship. Because I still to this day don't know any school that teaches anything about entrepreneurship. Because the per- the way you learn entrepreneurship is two ways. You go out there and you do it and you start. And you and I, Robert, have started many companies with no money at all. Or you find a mentor who's doing what you want to do and you go study with them. Yeah. And ideally for free and learn from them. So that, that would be my advice. Yeah. That's a question that's really up to you, but congratulations for thinking about yeah. it. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Bren in Australia. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We can see governments around the world trying to manipulate the markets by policies, like printing monies and bailout. Do you think they can keep on using these tactics to save our world economies? Well, that's the whole point of this program. Again, 1944, let me give you the dates because I'm a history buff. I know Matt Kirkhoff disagrees with all this, but in 1944, it's a Bretton Woods agreement. 44 nations got together and they said, hey, let's, let's pass the torch to America. See, before 1944, the reserve currency of the war was England. They had the control of it, so they passed it to the Fed here in America. 
Now, Matt disagrees with all that, but that's what happened. And so the dollar was supposed to be backed by gold. And since America has just fought the war and all the countries of the world had to pay us in gold, America was flush with gold. The problem was America spends on welfare and warfare. We start spending too much money, and our gold supply got depleted. So that's why in 71, Nixon just says, oh, by the way, we closed the gold window. means the dollar is no longer backed by gold. If you can understand that, and then it went to the petrodollar, a formal agreement by 1975. And again, the thing to understand here is that as long as oil is traded in dollars, America has hegemony. We have an unfair advantage throughout the world. That means China has to sell us cheap products so they can buy gold, I mean oil. Japan has to sell us cheap products so they can buy oil. Germany has to sell us their products so they can buy oil. But in 2000, old Saddam Hussein had the bright idea. He says, I'm tired of this. I'm going to you know, trade in euros because the euro was a new currency. It, came, it just came out. Naturally, Saddam is dead today. And then there was Gaddafi who said, ah, I like that idea. I think I'll trade in dinars. Gaddafi is dead today. Now, if you can understand that, you understand world economic history, not that stuff they teach you in school. That's the real economics. If you don't play by the rules of the U.S. government trying to keep the U.S. dollar, the reserve currency of oil, you don't understand economics. You know, the word CIA stands for Capitalism's Invisible Army. You don't play the game, you're taken out. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Hayward in Michigan. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, what are your suggestions for someone entering investment banking with one of the top financial institutions in the country in the midst of the impending 2016 crash? I would say more power to you, wouldn't you say, Kim? Yeah, that's a pretty gutsy move, I think. Yeah, you have to be pretty smart to get hired. You know, by those guys, they, they'll work you to death because your sister's son. Yeah, my 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 nephew uh, took one of those jobs early as an intern, and they worked worked him to death. I mean, they worked him so many hours, and there was like five of these young men, and they worked and worked and worked, and 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 the bosses got all the credit, and they got no credit, but they worked like I don't know, eighteen hour days. Yeah, and I saw this guy. You know, he he was just haggard. You know, young guy, twenty something years old, great college education and all that. He said, "I never worked so hard." I said, "Well." It'll pay off for the rest of your life. And that's so, what Andrew said. Andrew said, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick yeah. with this because I'm getting the best education possible. Yeah, so congratulations. But also remember, there was a guy named David Stockman who wrote a book called The Great Deformation. He's been on our program. He was Reagan's budget director. But he also, I believe, it could be a wrong work for Solomon Brothers. And working for the government and then working for Solomon Brothers is how he saw the whole scam coming apart. So that's why Stockman, who again, who everybody you know just idolizes, idolizes Reagan, and most people think he's the greatest guy on earth. Reagan wasn't that great a president, but the, his reputation is because he played games with the banks who play who played the game. The point here is this: if you can get behind the scenes and see as much as you can, do it. Is what priceless education for you. For me, like I said, my college degree is ocean transportation, oil. I understand oil. And once I understood oil, I could see the world economy. And that's why the economics they teach you in school is a bunch of BS, blue sky. It has nothing to do with the real economy. 
So, Kim, well, let's let's close the show up. I think we've ruffled enough feathers. I think we've ruffled a few feathers. You know, uh, Bren asked an earlier question about are they going to keep, you know, propping the, the government up, propping the economy up and all of this, and is, how long is it going to go on? Don't you think that so many of these people coming out now, all of these experts that we've talked to about, you know, the impending euro, petrodollar crash and, and, the, and the system crashing from all these, from, from economics, isn't it because it should have crashed by now? Because, a long time ago. Yeah. And now all these people are coming out. It should have crashed by now, but they keep propping it up so it doesn't crash. So I just think somewhere down the road, they're going to not be able to prop it up. But correct? And that's why we have Matt Kirchhoff on, because he really doesn't believe it's propped up by quantitative easing. He, he, he disagrees with that. And that's, his, that's why we have him on this program. So I'm not saying one is right or wrong. What I'm saying is listen to all points of view. You know, there's more and more people coming onto the Rich Dad bandwagon. Remember in 1997 when Rich Dad was printed, I said, your house is not an asset. Savers are losers. 